Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I was joined by Tiana Tamburic, who is the founder and creative director of Female Narratives. And we just had a lovely conversation. I'd actually met her in person in London last week, and therefore I'd asked her to come on the podcast, and she did. And, and what Tiana knows for sure is that life is obsessed with you. Is that not just one of the best things you've ever heard somebody say? And so it's all about showing up fully, about giving your gift, about your uniqueness, your purpose, about how world, the world conspires in your favour. We also have a great chat about your authentic yeses and your authentic noes, which I just really enjoyed as well. A really lovely conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it. Tiana, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a bit about you. Well, my name is Tiana. I am Serbian by heritage, but I was raised in London. I like to think of myself as a storyteller, and one of the main expressions of that is as co-founder of Female Narratives, which is an all-female creative agency. Perfect. And we actually met at a conference in London just a week ago. So it's lovely that you've come onto my podcast so quickly. I thank you for that. Uh, So tell me, Tiana, I know that you've been thinking about it. What do you know for sure? I mean, it's one of the hardest questions, really. And I was mulling it over and... Well, I'm currently in Portugal with one of my best friends and she said one of her rules for life is to remember that life is obsessed with you. Like life thinks you're the most amazing thing. And the best thing that you can do in return is show up fully as yourself and give your gift, whatever that is and whoever you are. And I think the best thing we can do and the only thing we know for sure is that like I'm not a very religious person. I don't believe that there are many multiple lives after this one. And so it's just how do you show up in the best possible way in this world and give your your uniqueness, not in a way that you're competing with others or comparing to others or trying to outdo others, but you reach a point where you realize this is my purpose or my gift. And when you are fully able to exist in that expression of yourself, I think that's that's where fulfillment is yeah I really resonate with that and I think I mean I love the notion that life is obsessed with me and I I think you said that when when I saw you in London as well and I love that but the whole notion of how do you show up I feel as if within my work within my life I so often like even today was having this conversation with people about how you show up in this space the tone that you set the energy that you bring it's like and you show up with the expectation of whatever it happens to be, I feel as if I always show up with the expectation I can deliver what I'm here to do and something amazing might happen on the way. So I'm always ready for the miracles because I think the miracles are realisations of stuff you didn't know before. How do you think that you show up in the world and are you aware of it? Are you intentional about how you show up in the world? Yeah, I think it's a really good question and sorry it just reminded me uh, I just came back from a tech conference in Berlin and one of the speakers said he wanted to practice being way more present in meetings because he was noticing that kind of things popping up on his laptop were distracting him in like big meetings and so he decided to just start bringing paper and pen 
which I thought was such a lovely thing. You know, we get so distracted by tech, but actually you still need something to write your notes down on. And he was just like paper and pen. So that's a sidebar of like one way to stay like super present in things. But I think for me, I was, I'm always reminded on kind of friend community get togethers where I naturally like fall into things. So we did a big new year's trip two years ago to Egypt. There was about 120 of us and we were supposed to be on holiday resting. We'd paid quite a lot of money to be there, but as soon as they said like, Hey, does anyone want to, you know, volunteer to like host something, do something, organize a workshop. I immediately found myself saying, yeah, I'll host a yoga class. I'll do this workshop. I'll find ways to like create fireside, like storytelling moments. And I think it's, it's it's precisely in the moments where you don't have to do the work that you realize, oh, this is what I actually enjoy doing because I'm not being forced to do this. And I'm naturally finding that I like to be of service, that I like to build community, that I like to bring people together and lift people up in this way. Uh-huh. And I love that that notion of it's because you're in a place where you don't need to do it, that you want to do it. And I suppose that's living a very guided life, isn't it? Really? Because you show up for what shows up. It's something I remember being told that many years ago by someone and I loved that and what it led in the first instance my understanding of show up for what shows up meant that I showed up for the right lot of shite quite honestly Tiana mm-hmm. so I've become more discerning but it's like mm-hmm. showing up for those opportunities and I think even in the work I do in the day job I think so often I'm helping organisations sort through problems they can't see the problem because they're in it they're part of the problem often and the only way that I can see is it because I'm somebody intellect, it's because I'm bringing fresh eyes and fresh perspective to it. I do it for a living, I suppose. And I think I could do it in my life, but wouldn't it be beautiful if we could do it more in our own lives? Yeah, and that also reminds me, actually, of it's good to show up for what's showing up and be present in the moment and say yes to things, but there's also a case of, like, taking time to figure out what is an authentic yes and an authentic no to you, because, of course you would take on so many things. And as you said, end up in situations that you might not want to be in and different people are, are better at saying no than others. I'm, I think a pretty good, pretty good at it. Like I don't struggle with no, but I think just knowing to take a beat before you respond to stuff, like emails don't have to be replied to right away, sit with yourself. There's so much in our society that avoids somatic wisdom and actually being in your body and, you know, doing a little breath or doing a little movement and figuring out like, how does taking on this thing make me feel? Because everything that we do is a, is an opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. And so if you do that thing, you won't have time to do another thing. So finding your like authentic yes and authentic no is really important. Yeah. And I think there's something about giving yourself the space to do nothing, isn't there? Mm. I was listening to something and I've maybe mentioned this in a podcast recently so forgive the listeners if I have because I listened to it recently on I think maybe Radio 4 and it was a conversation about these people at the very top of their games you know people that are working really really high and they intentionally have space in their diary every day to do nothing and they actually do nothing so they don't sit and stream in their phone they don't read they don't listen to the radio they actually do nothing because it's only because they give themselves the space to do nothing that, that at other points in the day they can actually work at a really high functioning level if they hadn't given themselves that break. And that seems like people never do nothing anymore, don't they not? People are never yeah. doing nothing. 
with social media and with, you know, social media getting shorter and shorter and like taking up more and more compartments of your time. I think there's so much on this. There's boredom was a space from which imagination came like the best stories, the best ideas. So many things came because people were bored and Mm -hmm. we've created a society in which we're never bored. Yeah. How can we be creative and come up with things if we're never bored? And then on your point of doing nothing, I think I was so like, raised around you know ideas of success and doing too much and like constantly like this rat race of everything and it reached a point where I kind of had a massive burnout in sort of 2019 and I went to China and in China at the kind of like main palace in Beijing there was this like beautiful jade calligraphy and it had this like uh, Chinese writing on it scroll and I went to a calligrapher afterwards and I was like what does it say um, above that door. He said, oh, it was the door to the entrance to the concubines. And above the door, it says doing the art of doing nothing. And I was like, I need this reminder. And so I had him make me the jade scroll and the calligraphy says doing nothing. And I have it hanging on my bedroom wall to always remind me that to kind of add an addendum to your point, it's actually in the moments of doing nothing that creativity comes. Yeah. And whenever I'm stuck on an idea and, you know, your brain is racing, it's too many things, like too much stimuli, actually like going off and doing a yoga class and just kind of taking a beat, that's actually where my fresh ideas come from. So it's in the doing nothing that the newness happens. Mm, I love that. I love that. And see if we go back to what you said at the very start, life is obsessed with you. I mean, I love the notion of it. What does that really mean for you does that mean I suppose what I'm taking when I listen to it is that life really wants me to be all I can be to do all I can and actually who puts the barrier in those ways it's actually me so that's what I'm hearing from it is that what it means for you does it mean something different yeah I think what I loved about it was this kind of like fundamentally positive view that the world conspires in your favor like it's not against you from the get-go I think some people believe you know life is against me from the very start. And I think what I like about the notion is this like fundamental feeling of optimism and positivity that things are like in your favor. And I think I know that to be true from the experiences of like when I'm in flow and things are working out, it feels like the universe is conspiring in my favor and it feels super clear and I'm like going the right way. And I find myself in flow in work on projects over longer periods of time. And it kind of reminds me that, yeah, like like life wants you to succeed. It wants you to do well. It doesn't want you to fail. It set all these things up. And I think there's so much to this. You know, I think in religion, we kind of seek beyond this world into the life of the divine. And I think it misses the point because the divine is all around us. It's in the nature, it's in the plants, the oceans, the experiences that we have with them. It's all right here. Yeah. And how we behave in relationship with all these things, not just humans, but with plants and animals and all of the stuff is like that's the stuff you know that is the stuff uh-huh uh-huh I totally get that and I resonate with that being in the flow and sometimes you fall out the flow and for me like recently there I was getting ready to fall out the flow and I insisted to myself you're not falling out the flow and so I relaxed into life again and of course life brought other opportunities and things I'm freelance so Life just brought other opportunities, unexpected opportunities to me to do more. And so I found myself in the flow and I reflect on that from life. I think when I get out the 
flow, I became anxious to get back in the flow that I think I probably was the own, my own because it's me that's creating the problem. And therefore, I see myself as the problem of not being in the flow. It's nobody else. It's nothing external. I'm living my life from the inside out, not the outside in. So if I want to stay in the flow, it doesn't really matter what anybody else does. It's up to me to stay in the flow. Do you feel like that? I think also playing with this analogy of like the sort of paths and universes, there's an amazing kind of reference that I learned from a man called Boyd Varty, who is a lion tracker based in South Africa, who owns um, Londolozi, the game reserve. And he said, there is a concept, we all talk about flow and like finding your path and blah, blah, blah. He said, there's a really important concept called the path of not here. And it is a path that we all have gone down. And we realize at some point down this path, oh, it's not here. Like I've got to go a different way. And that road and exploring that road and going down that road is just as important as the right roads. And I think people get worried and scared and failure and all of these words, but actually like the path of not here is such an important path. (laughs) I often don't know what I want to do, but I know what I don't want to do because I've been down the path of not here. And I thought, right, so I'm definitely not going down that path again. But I'm not so fixated on what the path is because I'm trusting the path will just show up for me because I'm not 100% sure what I want the path to be. But I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> and I suppose there's an interesting thing about how we evolve, isn't there? As, as people, as human beings, how we evolve as me as an individual, what might have been a great path 15 years ago, 20 years ago, just mm. isn't the right path anymore. So you could be, I suppose, by that, rationale we could be on the right path and then realize it's not the right path anymore could it be yeah or the path doesn't exist anymore like you're saying like the idea of having a job you know both of my parents have had like jobs for life pretty much it was like you study pharmacy to become a pharmacist to work at a pharmaceutical company you study engineering to become an engineer to work forever at an engineering firm and I just don't think that exists anymore I think the idea of like churn of work every three to five years is so much more common now. And so you'll have to keep reinterpreting and reiterating and redefining yourself over and over again. So yeah, it's 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 like a totally different landscape now. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is that therefore calls to courage those people in society who are giving people these jobs to understand that people are just on a journey and mm. that's okay. They're not going to come and work for you for 10 or 15 or 20 years. They're going to be here for three and you're going to teach them and they're going to teach you and you're going to do great work together, but they're going to move on and that's okay because you'll also get other people that have filled that role that have just done that journey and they've learned so much on that journey that they'll bring it. Whereas just now, especially within I work in the third sector, within charities that they're calling it the, the, the recruitment crisis, the big resign everybody's obsessed with the fact that we can't get enough staff, everybody's leaving their job, people aren't applying for their jobs. And I think that we probably have to lose the idea that this is temporary because maybe it's just that that younger people view life differently. Maybe there's just a, a model, a system change, you know, and actually there isn't an issue with employment in the system. It's just that those people want to work freelance. They want to um, work in a totally different way. You know, my business is set up completely made up of freelancers. It's set up uh, with no physical space. It's um, built entirely on project by project basis using teams of bespoke freelancers. And so 
you know, do we contribute to the idea of like a crisis? Maybe, but actually all we've done is, is change the model, you know? Yeah. And as, so there's no crisis because I know that you've got a lot, a lot of people within the female narratives and therefore you can answer most people's question. Most people who want a piece of work done, you can provide that. You might not all be sitting in the same building, but you can still do that. That makes you stronger than companies that could have people that are unhappy because the culture's rotten, that are left, that are on maternity leave, that are off sick, because we work for ourselves and therefore we work together and we collaborate and you get a much better outcome, I would imagine. Do you think that is why people are attracted to your organisation? Well, I, I struggle to like be able to really speak to what it would be like as an employer of a business with lots of employees because I've not been one. So yeah. I don't really want to um, affirm. And obviously there is like the shadow side of working with freelancers, which is like by not always being in an office together, there is a disconnect there. And by um, it being project work, like they can also get busy, you know, they can book be booked by another client and then not be available for you. But I think what we've taken on is a bit of a dual approach where we also have community. So right. we make a big point of, I guess, the way that a business would see like culture of their office. We instead have what we see as like community. So we do events, get togethers. We have WhatsApp groups. We have uh, Google groups. We have newsletters. We have ways for all of these people to not just stay in contact with us, but with each other, like build their own friendships, uh, go on holiday with one another, like whatever they want to do. Co-work in similar spaces. They live all over London. So Maybe some of them live closer to each other and they want to do that. That's great. So we facilitate effectively this like sisterhood. And so then when we do call and say, hey, we have work for you, would you be able to take on this brief? They're kind of almost more likely to be involved because they've already kind of built this relationship and friendship with us. Mm-hmm. And are you glad that you started? How long have you had female narratives for now? We just had our six year anniversary on International Women's Day. One, uh, I love that your your founding date is International Women's Day. Are you glad that that's the path that you took? That that was the right path. It wasn't the path of not here. Yeah, I mean, it, at the very beginning, it really did feel like flow. Like it felt like all of the chips were falling in the right place. This kind of brick road in front of me was materializing. Um, we just kept going. Like we didn't actually have the any of the credentials to do what we were doing, all the education, all the experience. But we were like, everything seems to be falling in the right place. So we're just going to keep going down this road. And, you know, we never anticipated for it to last this long or turn into what it has. But every year, I think a big piece of it is that my co-founder and I, we just have like regular big like check-ins, you know, we're both like very close friends. Uh, We're both in our thirties and we just have these big check-ins. Like, what do we want this year? What do we want from this business? What are our life goals? And I think it's super important to not just fall for the kind of system of how people think businesses should be run. You know, most people give us this advice of like, you should set scale, you should sell, you should get investment, do all the stuff. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong, but for us at our life stages and what we want and how we want to spend our time and what we want to do with the money we have, we just didn't want to build it that way. We wanted to be deep in the creative work that we are doing, which means fewer projects and fewer people and just more involvement from us. And we're totally fine with that. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Tiana, and for letting us all know that life is obsessed with us. I love this. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 
Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.